everybody. Welcome to Pivot and Thrive. This is Season 1, Episode 4, and the date today is September 22nd, 2020. And my guest today is Tom McGrew. Tom McGrew is a sales and marketing expert, and he has had many different positions over the lifetime of his career, and he's taken something from every single one of those positions pivoted beautifully every single time and has so much experience that now he is giving back to the younger generation and is working with them to help them better their products and their their uh, projects they're working on. So welcome, Tom McGrew. Hi, Kim. Thank you. <laughs> Thank this you. seems so familiar. I know. I know. <laughs> yes. Disclosure, this is the second time we're doing this interview because I was not recording the last time. So Tom was kind enough to come in here and talk to me a second time. So, Tom, tell, me, tell us about your that's background. You yeah, that's what I'm telling you. Uh, okay, my background is... Yeah, how'd you get into marketing and mil- sales? Okay, well, after I went, to, I went to military school, which was totally opposite of my personality. Then when I got out of there, I went to college and studied journalism and mass communications. And then after I graduated, I went into journalism, but I went into sales of radio for a radio station and that's where I started in sales so that's how I learned how to sell and the key the key factor that I learned in selling was salesman listens he doesn't talk and then he finds out what the customer's needs are and then he tries to find if he can fulfill them or not or find some way to fulfill them so that's my one little secret of my life so but then after I was in the radio station then I did a whole bunch of other sales jobs and eventually became a sales manager in New England. And I spent that until I was about 28. And then I came back to where I grew up in Pennsylvania and Pittsburgh. And then I worked there for about 10 years on part of a rep company, which sold, which represented different factories. And then after that, I worked for Encyclopedia Britannica and their software division in San Francisco. We were like the first ones to introduce CD-ROM encyclopedias, etc. Wow. So, and and then after that, when that business changed, then I went into the music business for two years and worked as the uh, VP of New Technology for Capitol Records. And then after that, I went back and worked in book publishing <laughs> as a VP of sales and marketing. And and basically, we're doing audio books. We weren't doing hard, hard books, but we eventually did children's books. So, And then after that, I went back into the Internet and did Internet consulting for a couple of years. So, kind of like my whole life has been intertwined with mass media and the Internet or technology back and forth, which taught me a lot of things. One of them was that nothing stays the same forever because in technology – you remember music was CD audio and then it became online and no one even knew it was coming, especially the music companies and book publishing, book publishing became more digitized and then more sales were online than through bookstores. So I've always had to kind of like go with the flow, whatever way it was. I had to kind of twist and turn to make and to survive. <laughs> well, really to survive because it changed the way money was made all these changes, right? I mean, when all of a sudden people could download yeah. music or download books or didn't it change everything? Well, yeah. Well, what was really happening, well, was a number of things happening, but one of them was that the distribution system was changing. So 
it used to be that a, a publisher, either a book publisher, a software publisher, or a music publisher would publish the, the content, which was some sort of book paper or something, and sell it to a retailer, and then the retailer would sell it to a consumer. And then that changed to where it was more directly just from the manufacturer or from the publisher directly to the consumer. So actually what it did reduce the cost of the record companies somewhat, but Apple kind of like forced them into a situation that they didn't really think through. So in the beginning when Apple did iTunes, they made a deal that that everybody could sell music singles for 99 cents. Well, that model was the 45 record model from the 50s. So all of a sudden, it was like the records are 99 cents. Albums aren't going to sell anymore. Albums were was always where it was because you make a lot more money selling a $14 item than you do selling a 99-cent item. So that was a big change. And the Internet made that change come. And then Amazon helped make the change that we're living in today, which is the consumer buying directly either from a manufacturer or from other and having it delivered to their home. And it's like a totally different change of mindset again. So basically the internet has been a major cha- change maker. I mean, and then like the COVID has been the accelerator, which has made changes happen faster than they were expected to happen. So if you think things were fast before, just hold on because they're going to get faster and crazier in the future. So that's the good news. <laughs> well, so, okay. So as a person who's in sales and marketing and these changes are happening, what, what would typically be your reaction? Is Would it be like, okay, this is exciting. It's going to be great. Or is it just like, oh my gosh, this just stinks because now we're not going to get this source and we're having to work harder. I mean, how do you, how do you personally approach it? Well, the, the, I always approach it that the most flexible part of the system ruled the system, which is basically if you're not rigid and set in your ways, you can respond to what's going on and change with the times. If you want the most pertinent example today is the, the oil companies. The oil companies are in a big are in a big change mode right now, and they don't have the infrastructure. Everything is built around a hundred dollars a barrel, and now the, the oil's coming out at sixty dollars a barrel. So that's a forty percent cut of revenue. So they're trying to respond to that. So like areas like in Houston, where thirty percent of like white collar people are going to get laid off in the next days in the oil business, because the oil business can't just shift. It doesn't easily shift because the big corporation, you know, it's hundreds of billions of dollars. They don't move that way. They don't. They don't shift. It's like trying to move a, a giant boat with a rudder, a small baby, a small baby rudder. It's like, oh yeah, we're going to move, and <laughs> two months later, like, well, we're almost ready to move now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well. I, I, you know, so that and that's so when you're in sales and marketing, you got to respond quickly. When when I was at uh, Compton's New Media, which was a Britannica company, I mean, we came out with the first CD-ROM encyclopedia that was interactive. And then when Microsoft came into the business, we had to respond immediately to Microsoft. Now we could have said, "Oh my God, Microsoft's so big, we'll just give up," but we didn't. We we made a shift and caught them off guard for about another year. 
we had to figure out what we were doing. But you know, you you have to think things through. You have to, and if it's not fun, don't do it. I mean, some people get so tired of it they're like, "Oh my god, I can't do this again." But like right now, I'm working with my son-in-law in Texas on his uh, company, and you know, I'm not really doing anything other than helping him with the marketing and helping him come up with the concept, the pro- the the name and stuff. But it's keeps me going you know so when you're you know above 70 or so you you know most people slow down but i really haven't slowed down that much mentally because i'm doing more than i was doing two years ago <laughs> so it, it just it depends but i'm you know i'm not like everybody else everybody has their own package of, of how they respond to the world so, am i talking too much no, you're not talking too much, and it's it's interesting talking to you because this is basically how one should go about approaching retirement in general, whether you're going to work or not work or volunteer, whatever. You still have to be prepared for these things that are just going to come at you. You know, there may be some illness that you weren't prepared for or a financial situation or a job that you thought was going to be there that isn't there anymore. I mean, you, you have to be flexible and ready to move. Otherwise, you're going to have such a rough time. So it sounds like you've been doing that your whole life. Yeah, well, well, yeah, well, probably I have been doing it that whole life, but it's just the way I'm wired. I mean, because, like, I remember the the last, well, the, my last publishing job, distribution job, when, when I was there and they, they were, you know, trying to figure out what to do with the division I was in, which they got rid of and they shouldn't have because that was the division I would have kept making money, but they didn't listen. Uh, but you know, I was sixty-five years old at that time, sixty-three or sixty-four years old at that time. And then, you know, I had to make a decision: what am I going to do now? And so I decided to do some internet work, some consulting work, and then I did sales for a while. And then, even I drove Uber and Lyft for a couple of years, even though you know I'd been like a VP for twenty-five years of my life. I didn't care. I, it was why you know I wanted to go do something and go out and have something to do every day, at least four or five hours, and at least talk to human beings. You know, for any thought, you know, talk to human beings at the same time. So, I you know I never sat and said, "Well, oh, this really is bad and so sad." I just like said, "Okay, well, we'll figure it out." <laughs> Which we, you know, which I always have so far. Well, I like that attitude. So hopefully, I mean, uh, it's well, it's but, admirable. Uh, it's admirable, really, and also because I also like that. Sometimes you have to do other things that maybe you didn't think were going to be the greatest thing in the world. It wasn't necessarily your aspiration, but you do what you got to do. And you saw that you saw well, the silver yeah, lining got, in it too. You know, you enjoyed it. Right, I had fun, and you know, and the and the thing was is that. I could have sat at home and, you know, tried to find more consulting gigs and stuff. But I was sitting, I was in my home office all day long, so I was kind of like getting tired of it. So that's another reason I think I wanted to go to, you know, drive for a while. So I drove. And I had fun. I mean, it was, you know, I went to uh, three cars. (laughs) (laughs) Let's find a new car. And I, you know, I I was putting 65,000 miles on a year, so. Wow, lot, that's a lot. That a lot is a lot. Yeah. I, mean, I was sitting in the car for 65,000 miles. Yeah. So, 
So it, it, it was, uh, it, that was fun and that was interesting. I mean, I like doing what I'm doing right now with my son-in-law because it's kind of cool and it's new. And, it, you know, we'll, we'll see if we were right about the packaging and right about what we call the product and everything. So that's, that's part of marketing. You, you know, people vote with their dollars. You, you can put it on the shelf, but it's not going to get off the shelf unless someone wants it. And if they want it, they have to pay for it. So, you know, that's what I mean. They vote with their dollars. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And then it doesn't matter how great you think it is. It's really up to the customer. Yeah. Well, I used to have a, a story I used to tell about a software company in New York City. They were, they were, they had been working on this project for three years. And I used to say three guys in a room lying to each other how great the product is. They never shipped it. <laughs> they worked on it for three years. It was the greatest product ever. It was groundbreaking. But it, because I could never get it all together. So, yeah, there's a lot of that going around. Okay. <laughs> well, so that's cool. You're working with your family. I think that's nice. Well, yeah. It's, it's, it's brave. It's brave. <laughs> well, because, well, I guess the issue, you, I was going to say the issue you might have is, you know, if somebody is working for you, you could be maybe seen as a, an authority a little bit more than maybe a family member who's maybe might be a little bit more dismissive of your expertise. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's um, like no one's getting paid or anything. No one's making any money, money because uh. they're just setting up the company and trying to get things together. So sometimes you have to ask certain members of the family to do stuff and not pay them. And then, obviously, that puts you at the bottom of the pile for attention. So, yeah, you, you can have issues with not being able to say, do this now. Yeah. You know, like I'm used to saying, do it, and then it was going to be done, and I never thought about it again. Now I have to say, do it, and then come back two days later and say, is it done? <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's or different. Come back two days later. Yeah. Is it done yet? You know? Please, <laughs> we only need we only need the web server to work right now. <laughs> yeah, that's. I'm sure that's got to be a challenge. It's it's like if you're doing volunteer work too. You know, it's like it it could be very fulfilling, but by the same token, you're not necessarily in charge. So it's a different experience. Well, we're we're yeah. So like, and they're in Texas, so I'm dealing with people in Texas. So not that people are bad, but they're in Texas and. On a different time schedule, so it's kind of a, it's a little different world. Yeah, but we're getting there. we're almost there. Yeah, it's exciting. Do you want to talk about what you're doing? What what project you're working on, so we well, can boost your sales here. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. The project is there's a there's a guy in uh, Texas that came up with this hand sanitizer, and it's eighty five percent aloe. So it actually heals the skin and doesn't burn the skin. It's like and there's no alcohol in it. It uses a, a benzoid chloride, which is another uh, uh, surface cleaner for your hands that destroys 99.9% of the germs. So it has 85% aloe, the benzoid chloride in it. So it's, it's super gentle on the hands and body, but very effective on getting rid of the germs. So that's what we're working on. So it's called Sylvan 85 because it's 85% aloe. And um, 
we're going to put it on Amazon. Notice I raised my eyebrows up because, uh, well, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we'll have the link here so people can find it. Right. And then we're, then the other thing we're doing as a company. <laughs> All right. See, now this is why I'm crazy. So this is another thing that we're doing. This is called Clean Rooms, which they go into houses and offices and high-traffic public areas and to sanitize everything in the room with with a special mist that doesn't leave a residual. It's like, you know, I have, I have no idea what they're doing. Sounds good, though. But Clean Rooms is the name we came up with, so we thought it was a good name. K-L-E-E-N Rooms. So. Mm. So that's kind of like, you know, another little project that's that's bubbling out of the same company that we're dealing with in Texas. The timing seems like it couldn't be better for these projects. Yeah, well, the hand sanitizer, yes. And then this other one, uh, the clean rooms, it's going to get very competitive very quickly. And there was nobody in Houston really doing it. Now all of a sudden there are three companies in Houston doing it in three weeks' time. You know, it's like. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, but I mean, we, we have a certain process that the, the other guys aren't using. You know, some guys go in there with a can of Lysol and a, a box of uh, Clorox wipes in there. Well, okay, we're, we're cleaning everything down. Everything's going to be perfectly safe. But that's not really how you're supposed to do it. So we're doing it the way the CDC tells you how to go. Well, that's even better. I, it just seems like it'd be very successful then. Well, it looks like it's going to be successful in Texas. I mean, we haven't taken it out of Texas yet, but the clean rooms is not. Yeah, but okay. they look like but you know, we don't want to rush it because you got to do it right the first time. If you know what I mean. It's, uh, I mean, we've tested it, we're talking to a couple offices, and we're going to do like lobbies and hotels and lobbies and uh, uh, condominiums and stuff. That's the that's the market that we're looking at. So. Hopefully we get going next week. They that really would be great. Yeah. yeah. Times are wasting. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. yeah. Plus I'm sitting here, you know, I'm, I just tell them what to do or tell them how to do stuff. But, you know, if yeah. I was in Texas, I'd have to be actually working harder. Mm. So. Yeah. But you're just making sure it gets done. You're like the general yeah. contractor of this whole thing. Yeah. Or general pain in the butt. <laughs> oh, either way. It's the same thing. I know. <laughs> no matter what. That's the same thing. So that's what you're working on now, which I think is really great. So um, did you ever have a problem with ageism stopping you from being able to do what you want to do? Because you worked until you were 63, 64, 65 in that job, your last job. So, I mean, has that ever been an issue for you? Or what you're doing no, right now, no. is it an issue for you? Well, it's not what I'm doing right now because it has not, you know, I'm more like just a consultant and not even getting paid and really not doing anything, but other, you know, working on the marketing concepts and some of the sales concepts. Uh, no, see, I've never had that problem. So, and I think the reason is, is that I don't come in acting like I'm old. Hmm. Oh, no, no. Any sense. Never came across. Like, no. I mean, seriously, <laughs> seriously. When I came to the car dealership, you told me your age. What's your? How old are you? Do you mind telling us? Seventy-two. 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 I, that that shocks me. I had no idea. Well, I had a facelift a week ago. Oh, so. uh, that's it. Okay, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> 
my, my skin's back here if you want to say it. I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, so like when I went into the car dealership and I never sold cars, you know, but I walked in the car, car dealership and the guy who was a general manager was like six foot seven and the other guy standing next to him was six foot five. So I walked up to him and introduced myself. And I said, I feel like I'm in the land of the giants. And he laughed and that I got the job right there. Because I didn't come in, you know, like, oh, well, these guys look like that. You know, I didn't know anything about selling cars. I knew I could listen, but, you know, sell, you know selling cars. And, and, I, you know, I sold cars and I didn't like some of the things that other people did to sell cars. I don't like that part. So, you know, there's a, there's a slight shadiness to the, the car business sometimes, so which I didn't like. So that, that was the only uncomfortable thing. And so when I had my other consulting gig, I just did the consulting gig. And then I said, well, if I'm really bored and still want to talk to people, I'll just drive Uber and Lyft. So that's what I did. So I sold cars for like three years and then did Uber and Lyft for two and a half. So, so you had an integrity issue. Well, sounds like, like it bugged you. Yeah. Well, I don't like to, uh, I don't like to lie to people or to, to you know, I always taught my sales reps always to be honest with their customers and always to tell the truth. And, and if you can't do it, then tell them you can't do it. Hmm. So un, under, under promise and over, over, over perform. So, you know, say, say you could do it, but you know, you're not real sure, but really, you know, you can do it and do a better job. Hmm. Because that's how you, you know, plus what happens is that people then respect you and understand that you're not going to come in and like, you know, sell them a bunch of BS on something because you're just trying to make the sale, make your numbers. You're, you're actually trying to help them figure out what their needs are and how, and how if you can fulfill their needs. Yeah, so, I would see that that would make you a lifelong favorite for somebody. So well, they yeah. to do business with you again. Yeah, well, I could like, when I was the VP of sales, I don't know whether these stories made any sense, but when I was a VP of sales, I'm just trying to talk here. When I was a VP of sales, I had like 40 reps in the whole United States working for me. And those reps were like independent. So they had certain customers. So like one rep it would, in Texas had uh, Walmart as his, his account. And they were never afraid to take me into their accounts because I wouldn't embarrass them. I wouldn't promise something that couldn't be done. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say, oh, yeah, we'll, make, we'll ship it tomorrow. No problem. It'll be here. When you knew in the back of your head that you're never going to ship it in one day because there's too many, too many moving parts. So they, they knew that I would listen to them, and sometimes we would just sit in, in a meeting and make up a product right there with them because that's what they needed. They needed a certain type of product, and we said, okay, well, yeah, we can make that up. We'll figure it out. So, you know, that's what I mean by listening and then filling and filling in the needs. And that's, that's why when sales guys went with me, even the, like the Barnes & Noble, Target, wherever I would go, they wouldn't be upset that I was there. They wouldn't feel like the guy's going to say something stupid and embarrass me. Okay. You know, they could always depend on me to shoot straight and then tell the truth. So what I'm hearing from you is that you've really never stopped creating. You've never stopped communicating. You, your original degree was in journalism. So it's kind of like you've, you've been designed and, and interested in communicating for a long time. So um, 
a lot of people worry about dementia and Alzheimer's as they get older. And you seem like that's not even a possibility for you because you're keeping your brain going. And I know you exercise because I see you walking your dog because you're my next door neighbor. I see you walking your dog. And, um, <laughs> and, and you have a social life even in the pandemic because you talk to people. So you're doing yeah. a lot of these things that you should be doing to maintain your brain health. And is that something that concerns you? Is that something that lurks in your mind? No, because nobody in my family ever had dementia that I know of. I mean, like my grandparents never had it. My father never had it. My my mother never. So, I, you know, I never experienced it. So I never had was cognizant of the fact that it would be something I would have to worry about. And by the time you realize you have it, you don't know anyways. Well, yeah, it can take a little longer than that, but yeah. So is that something that you, like, so you you keep working? Is that is that part of the reason you keep working is to maintain your mental health or your brain health or? No, I don't think about it. Believe me, okay. I do so many things. I mean, I read, you know, when I'm walking the dog, I'm listening to an audio book. Mm. So I'm always doing something. Or I like I have Kindle books on my i my iPad, or I you know I'm watching uh, you know you know we don't we don't watch the news as much as we used to because it's rather depressing and repetitive. So, but you know we want you know I try to watch shows that are uplifting and light, not heavy and down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's enough down. I don't need any more down. So there's, there's plenty of down. Yeah. So you're taking good care of your mental health, which is really important. Well, and also I'm just wired that way. I mean, I'm just. I mean, I don't think. I think I can only think of one relative that I ever knew of dementia, and that was my great grandmother's brother's wife. Okay, pretty far. <laughs> I'm yeah. like I could remember all that. That's right. you know. Well, that that's good right there. Actually, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just right there. Yeah. So she, uh, yeah, she she had dementia. She went, but she was like seven seventy two or seventy five or something when she went off. You know, she she went off the rails a little yeah. bit, but she didn't try to kill us or anything. She just let she got very childlike. You know, she she didn't really so. That was the only one, but I mean, I, I'm never worried about it. So, plus, I'm always doing something. I'm always, I think a lot. And, you know, so I'm not too worried about it. Like I said, by the time I realize it, I'll probably, you know, won't know it anyway. Well, you, yeah, you're using the use it or lose it mentality. It seems like yeah. you keep going, which is great. Um, what advice would you have for somebody then who's maybe experienced a layoff during this time? Because that is common right now a lot of people got laid off from their jobs during the pandemic and so what what advice would you have to them as they're in their retirement phase you know do they stop do they keep going what do they do depends on how they feel physically and mentally and, and what and what they feel like they can do one of the things is like when i when i my my last job as a vp and then you know sold cars when i was just a car salesman and then when i uh you know did other other things. I mean, I, I didn't like driving Uber and Lyft. I mean, I didn't feel it was beneath me. Yeah. I mean, I basically, if you don't need the money and 
you're comfortable and you don't need to talk to people or to hang around people or you don't need that, then you can sit in your room all day or do, you know, build drawers in your basement. I don't know. But me, I need to talk to people and I need to have interaction with people. So I have a, you know, I used to play poker all the time at the casino. Not all the time, but like three or four times a week Mm -hmm. in the morning before the COVID. So, so, uh, so even then I was like, you know, we were, you know, eight old guy or nine old guys sitting at a table and talking to each other. You know, so, you know, and, and actually an interesting thing is like playing cards or doing something like that does stimulate your brain. Does Absolutely. Keep your you have to think. I mean, I always, the grandparents uh, didn't go see now quickly because they played bridge. And bridge is a tough game. You got to, it's a mental game too. So you got to, you know, so anything that you have to think a lot about, it works for people. Yeah, it's good for it you. Yeah, everybody else, but for me. Well, uh, poker, it's been a while since I've played poker, but when I did play it, it, I loved it. It was just a really challenging game, and you're always thinking, and it's psychological. And it's great. And if you can chat with people, too, then it's fun, so you're having a good time, which is important. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Laughter is good for you. It's very good for Laughing, you. Laughing, smiling, yeah. Yeah. No, it is good for you. Yeah. It's good for your health. Uh, do you feel like your life is purposeful? <laughs> it's not a trick question. Do you feel like your life is purposeful? It's so hard. It's so hard. Come on, Tom. Is your life purposeful? Do you feel like you are living your purpose? Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I never thought of, I've always had things I was doing, so I was always had, you know, I mean, there's always a purpose of what I was doing. I was, I was always doing something that was either helping people or helping me or moving forward usually. So, but I never thought of it as a personal. Yeah, of course. <laughs> the answer of course. <laughs> of course I feel that way. I think that's great. Do I, that's, well, do I look like I'm not, you know, you know, so no, I mean, yeah, I'm happy. Tom, thank you so much for your time. I'm going to put your contact information down on the show notes so people can find your products and we can add to okay. it as things go along. Anything else? I think that's it. You answered my questions and I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us. Okay. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to this latest version of Pivot and Thrive. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you have some things to take away, some thoughts that you can use to apply towards bettering your own retirement. Do you need any help with your retirement, whether you have started or if it's something that's in your rearview mirror? I'm happy to help you out. I am a certified retirement coach, and I'd love to talk to you about how to make your experience in retirement more meaningful and fulfilling for you on a daily basis. Do you know anybody you think I should be interviewing on this podcast? If you know someone who's really hitting it out of the park in their retirement years, or they've had to overcome some particularly interesting challenges to get where they are at this point in their lives, I'd love to talk to them. You can contact me on the homepage of my website. Scroll all the way down to the bottom where it says contact me. And that's how you can get me the information. The address for my website is retirementpurposecoach.com. 
I'd like to extend a special thank you to Bokuwa and Wizzy2K for allowing me to use their song, Will You Stay With Me? And the link for that song is in the show notes of this podcast. You could go look them up. They've got some really great music. This has been Kim Shea with Pivot and Thrive. And thank you for spending your time with me. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. Be sure to live your life with purpose every day and you'll find that you're much happier. Because of you.